listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you and God bless. up where we left off a couple weeks ago, and we're looking at what we do, W-E-D-O, what we do. Number one, we worship. That's W. All right, we worship today. Yeah? Good. Three of us. Hallelujah. (laughs) Wherever two or three are gathered. (laughs) Okay. E is for we encourage each other. All right. And that has to do with fellowship. That's why we get together, to encourage. And then D is for discipleship. All right. What is a disciple? Were there only 12? No? Got any disciples here? Yeah, there's a few more than we had worshiping. That's good. Disciple means learner. The Greek word is the word for learner. A student, a pupil, and an adherent to a particular philosophy or lifestyle. Now, I got news for you. It'd be nice if we went to the school of the Holy Spirit, and we got our diploma in six weeks, maybe mail order. Wouldn't that be nice? And then we're no longer learning. We're learning every day till we get to heaven. And we might still be learning up there. I mean, when you think of the endless array of God's mind and what's going on in the universe and the billions and billions of galaxies, and ah, I don't know. It does say, as for knowledge, it will cease. Because we will be plugged in to the mind of Christ. You won't have to say, hey, Siri, anymore, or Alexa, or Google, or whoever you yell at in the car. (laughs) Some of you are, hey, honey, when my dear friend Alice passed away last May, she was the matriarch of her family up in Minnesota. And her son, who I grew up with, we were very good friends uh, from childhood up through high school, and we're still friends now. And he looked at his sister and he said, who are we going to call to answer all our questions? Mom's not here anymore. <laughs> and he appointed his sister as the official keeper of all knowledge of the family. <laughs> yeah. So God is our keeper of all knowledge. And he freely dispenses that knowledge. It's not a secret society that you have to earn and attain to certain levels. It's freely available for all of us. And he gives us his word, amen? We have the word, 66 books. God went to all the trouble of (laughs) dispensing this library of books through many, many writers over quite a period of time. And we have access to that, number one. So I want to say before I even begin, this is not even introduction. This is review. This is why I try to get you guys to read the Bible on a consistent basis daily basis and to have 
a plan. Because if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. I learned that selling insurance once. <laughs> but it's the truth. That's the only thing I got from that course I went through to sell insurance. And they didn't even tell us it was insurance we were selling. They didn't tell us. But I figured it out, being of a keen intellect. <laughs> yes. So, the word of God. We started out this year looking at Psalm 1. On his teaching, on his words, we are to meditate, think about, day and night. So not just get it over with, turn it on while you're in the shower and hope something gets through, or have it on while you're driving. Those things are all good, folks. But there's a depth that comes from actually studying, reading, and honestly, that's what transformed my life as a teenager, getting into the Word of God, and things started happening. When I started reading it, because I was hungry for it, I started reading in Genesis, then I started reading the New Testament simultaneously, and then I wanted the Psalms and the Proverbs. Before you know it, I'm just reading the whole Bible, and I'm just a kid. And out of that experience, God birthed the desire to actually go to a Bible school and learn in a formal setting. Although Christ for the Nations wasn't that formal at that time. Bunch of Jesus people. Jesus freaks. Which was awesome. What a great time in history. The 70s. Let's hear it for the 70s. All right. We have some products of the 70s here today. <laughs> All right. So get in the Bible. You are a disciple if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You are a learner. You are learning. We'll probably carry this one out over a few weeks, folks. We're not just, it's not a one and done today. And you may hear from some other people, so you have different perspectives, because there's so many perspectives on being a learner and a follower of Jesus Christ. So let's pray, then we're going to dive in. I'm going to give you the first installment. Heavenly Father, what a good God you are. We've sang about it. We've prayed your blessing. We've given. We've gathered in the name of Jesus. There is power here, Lord, that we are permitted as your children to tap into. And so as we tap into your word right now, we're asking that you would shine your light. Lord, your word says that we don't live by bread, only we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So let this be manna, fresh bread, supernatural bread that we didn't have to work for. We just gather it up and we consume it for today. And it's today's bread. And tomorrow we look forward to something fresh from you again. Thank you, Father. You never tire of speaking to us. And so, Lord, help us to become learners, disciples. Help us to grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. My life was radically impacted during a mission trip to England after my first year of Bible school. 
Once we are radically impacted, everything changes. Jesus said to preach the gospel, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, these signs will follow those who believe. Miracles. Churches throughout history, especially in the early church, in the book of Acts, were started in the power of the Holy Spirit. That made a radical impact on the people and birthed desire in them to follow this Jesus that was being preached to them. They heard the word and then they saw the reality that Jesus is alive. The book of Ephesians was written to such a people, a place called Ephesus, which still exists. You can go see it. It's in Turkey. The people in this city had heard the word of God, and they had it confirmed with miraculous signs and with a supernatural filling of the Holy Spirit. And then they had a Bible school that was started by no one other than Paul the Apostle himself. Can you imagine Paul coming to your town, praying, the Holy Spirit falls on these people, and then he says, I think I'll stick around for a couple years. And it says he taught daily. They were disciples already, but they had the benefit of Paul as their teacher. Discipleship screams. It's not just a dry and dusty experience of getting your diploma. Discipleship screams, I want what you have at any cost. Do you think the early disciples who followed Jesus around maybe had a desire? They had such a desire that when he said, stay here in Jerusalem before you leave and wait in this upper room until I send the promise of the Father, they did it. I want what you have at any cost. It's not just enrolling in a community college course. That's not discipleship. You can do that, yay. But there's such a power that needs to accompany that knowledge. There's a lot of people that know about the Bible. It's not knowing facts. It's not knowing and being able to recite the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. That's great. Don't get me wrong. We used to have to learn all these things. We used to sing the books of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts, Romans, 2, Corinthians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. First and second Thessalonians, first Timothy, second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, first Peter, second Peter, three Johns, Jude, and everybody together, Revelation. Isn't that knowledge awesome? But that means nothing. You could a parrot could learn that song. We could put them on YouTube. First Peter. (laughs) 
This is where we're kind of missing it in the church, guys. We're giving out knowledge without power. Ooh, digest that real good. It's the power of God that transforms us and impacts us and creates a hunger for more. If we don't have the power of God operating, we're not really making disciples. We're just adding to people's knowledge. And there's a lot of competition out there for people's knowledge. Yeah? Paul's experience with Jesus, now think about how he came to the Lord. It came as a radical impact on the way to Damascus. Now he needed a radical impact because he was on his way to kill some people who happened to be called Christians. He was a devout, God-fearing Jewish man who thought he was doing the right thing by purging this from the earth, this heresy. The word radical means to fundamentally change something. It means to get back to the roots of something. It means a great impact that from that point on, it's something different. Radical. It means getting down to the roots of something. That's what the ancient, that's the etymology of it, okay, for our scholars in the room. Might be one, I don't know, maybe on the internet. A radical change, fundamentally, fundamentally changed. Paul was changed forever. There was no doubt in Paul's mind after he had this radical transformation. I wonder if Jesus is real. Oh, yeah. I was blind, but now I see. There was no doubt in his mind. The early disciples were changed on the day of Pentecost. They actually were changed when they saw Jesus rise from the dead. I think that'd be kind of freaky. That would be a fundamental radical change. Wait, we saw you go up to the cross. We saw you in the tomb, and now the holes were probably here, by the way. Okay, just a little thing I picked up in Bible school. Okay. Jesus was no longer just a good teacher or a rabbi. See, it was not uncommon in his day for a teacher, a rabbi, minimum age 30, so the Bible is written by Jewish people in a mainly Jewish culture with a Jewish context. Everyone except maybe Luke, we're not sure if he was Jewish or not. He might have been a converted Jew, but let's just say, okay, these people are Jewish and they understood. A rabbi traveled and taught, and there were many such rabbis in Jesus' day, and he would invite people to follow him and learn. Learn in the going, learn in the doing. Bobby talked about it. Maybe go out and have a practical hands-on experience. This was part of their culture. 
to experience this. And they would learn by imitating their master and receiving the teaching, in turn being able to share this with other people. So Jesus was pretty radical in his teaching. I think they got a clue, maybe, hopefully, they were pretty clueless most of the time. If you read, I'm just telling you. Huh? What's he talking about? On the Mount of Transfiguration, suddenly there's Jesus glowing. Yeah. And they're like, man, we should build three little houses here to commemorate. And Jesus is like, he doesn't even dignify that with a response. <laughs> Let's just, you know. But they realized he was no longer just a good teacher, even a miracle worker. But when the Holy Spirit came, that was the game changer. Suddenly they experienced the same power that was on Jesus came upon them. A radical encounter fundamentally changes the nature of what it impacts. Atoms that experience fusion or fission become something else. And there's great power that's released. That's why our 20th century sales tactics when it comes to evangelism don't really work. They don't necessarily work. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we're just presenting a better religion and wanting to pe people to make a choice. Okay, they used to go door-to-door -door selling vacuum cleaners. Let me compare this one to your old one. You need this, and you can even pay it out monthly. Well, sometimes I feel like we're doing that. Try Jesus, as if he's a new flavor at Sonic. He's the God of the universe, and you better watch out. You better be afraid. Really. He has the power to knock you down and to pick you back up again. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we're just presenting a better religion. We have to convince people that they need something. It's hard in this country because most of us don't need anything. It's hard in Europe right now. They're happy. All their bills are paid. They got free this, free that, free this, free that. They got half a paycheck. But it goes to a good cause. Helping everybody. Okay? They don't need Jesus. The churches are empty. They're museums. Just think about it. They're great architecture. Lots of flying buttresses. Look that up if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's an architectural term. <laughs> Paul went to Athens and gave 
one of the most eloquent speeches in history. It's wonderful. But what happened? Only a few people believed. Then he goes on to Corinth, and he starts the book of 1 Corinthians, the letter, saying, I didn't come to you with eloquence. I didn't come to you with amazing words of wisdom. I came in the power of God. And that's how that church was birthed. God showed up in such a way that a church was born in one of the most difficult and worldly spots on earth, if you want to do your research into what the city of Corinth was like. You think downtown Dallas is bad? You think the street church is bad? Corinth, rather challenging. Okay, so turn with me to Acts 19. Let's look briefly this morning at how the church was birthed in Ephesus. If you sing your little song, you'll know that Acts comes after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and before Romans, 2 Corinthians. All right, so Acts 19. All right, Paul in Ephesus. Actually, go to 18. The story starts there. There's this guy named Apollos, okay, 1824. Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, that's in Egypt, not Virginia, okay, a native of Alexandria came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus though he only knew the baptism of John. So here's a young, this is my take, my take, okay? I didn't get this from Bible school. Young, hotshot preacher. Charisma, hot. It says he was fervent. I looked up the Greek word for that. It means hot. He, was a, he, he, could, he could gather a crowd through his natural gifting. But he was limited in his knowledge and in his experience of the things of God. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, well, these guys had experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now, I will say this about Apollos. He was open he listened to this couple that pulled him aside and said, hey, great job. Good info, but there's more. And, and that's kind of where a lot of the church is, guys. They're preaching good words. Great job. Good stuff. Hot. Fervent. But guess what? There's more. There's more. And we're going to see what the more is here. 
And when he wished to cross to Achaia, that's Greece, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So we have someone that's naturally gifted, who has knowledge, but needs more. He receives it, and then God uses his natural gift and supernaturally charges him and takes him on. That's a cool story. Okay, so now let's get back to Ephesus. And it happened. Now Apollos is in Corinth. This is all this coming and going in the, in the book of Acts. Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, some learners, some people that had knowledge about Jesus Christ. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Hmm. They say, no. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, uh, into what then were you baptized? They said, John's baptism. Paul said, I love this conversation that it's all here. <laughs> Paul says, John baptized with the baptism of repentance. Remember John the Baptist in the River Jordan? Prepare the way of the Lord. I think dunk. I don't know. He could have done that. I, don't, I was not there. All right. You can take that doctrine up with somebody else. John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they got baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, these people, again, they're open. Wow, there's another baptism? Let's do it. Let's get baptized. So they get baptized, water baptized. We believe it's immersion. Okay, but I'm not going to argue that. Okay, the, the word fundamentally means to get changed. Again, radical change. And it means to become something else once immersed. The same word is used for the pickling process where you take a cucumber, put it in vinegar, and it becomes a pickle. You don't say, I'd like a cucumber on my sandwich, please. What happens if you ask for a cucumber on your sandwich? You're going to get a cucumber. But if you ask for a pickle, you're going to get a pickle because they're two different things. They're changed through a process. Baptism changes us. Interesting. All right. So they get baptized, verse 6, and when Paul laid his hands on them, I don't know if it was at the baptism service. It would be kind of cool if it was, or if they had another meeting, special laying a hand, on of hands meeting, because everyone knows we don't have enough meetings. All right. Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all, and he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord both Jews and Greeks. And then we have the Bible school that I was talking about where Paul taught them. And Ephesus grows to be one of the most amazing churches at that time. And we're still blessed by the words that Paul wrote to Ephesus. So, how do we become a disciple? How do we continue 
our discipleship process. Okay, number one, we have to be open. These guys were open. We have to be open. Number two, we need to be connected. We have to be connected. It's just part of the process. The early disciples were connected to Jesus. The later disciples, they had their pastors, their teachers, their elders, then they had traveling teachers such as Apollos and Paul come through. So again, they were open. They realized, number three, it was a process. It's a process. Okay, there are many ways to learn. We homeschooled for a time in the ancient days of homeschooling before it was even legal. Okay, we didn't have any co-ops or... They were just starting. All right, so we learned that there are different learning styles and everyone has a different way of learning. Some people just read. They've got photographic memories. That's all they need. Some people have to hear something. Some people like me have to hear something a lot of times. Some people learn by doing, hands-on. Same way with discipleship. We need every different means at our disposal. And you can get all those things through the church. You're here today. This is a learning thing, I hope. I hope we're all learning something today. Okay, we're here. Through teaching and preaching, you learn. Through connect groups. This is huge. That's why we are promoting these connect groups. Because in a small group setting, you can ask questions. and You can get to know each other better. And maybe you weren't raised in church and you don't know the New Testament song. There shouldn't be any shame in your small group for someone to say, you know, let's meet together over some coffee and talk about what, the, what that means when we refer to this book of the Bible, what that is. There are books to read. I've got a library full of them. I found my old Winky Prattney book, Handbook for the Followers of Jesus, and it's discipleship all laid out like Chapter after chapter after chapter. You can still get it on Amazon, but it costs $35. Okay? That's for an original copy. There is so much. You can, you can get classes on the Internet. You can go to Bible school. That Christ for the Nation's two-year program, it started, it was based on this school of Tyrannus that Paul had. Two years. A lot of re religions require the young people to go to a two-year program. It's a requirement. Just like in Switzerland, that, that young man that was here, he said, well, I'm going to go in the Swiss Army soon because everyone has to go in Switzerland. There's a limited pop population. In Switzerland and Israel, there's no draft. There's no question. You, you're, you're signed up. <laughs> you hit 18 or whatever age it is, you're there. You're going to do it. It's kind of that way in Christianity, guys. You're signed up. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. So boot camp, right? Uh, there's youth with a mission. We have some YWAMers here today. Okay. They have a discipleship training school. Jesse Aguilar. That's not his name. It's Tyler. Okay. 
lives in the Aguilar household. <laughs> Jesse Tyler went to Youth with Mission this last summer. He went through a discipleship training school several months. And then what do they do after they teach you all this stuff? They realize you've got to have an outlet for all this great stuff you just learned. So they send you somewhere. He went to Mongolia. You know, I'd probably go to Mansfield, but he went to Mongolia. They need Jesus in Mansfield. It's a mission field. All right. There's so many ways you can learn. Yeah. Do you want it, though? You have to want it. And that's why I think you have to have a radical encounter with Jesus Christ. I'm just going to share a tiny, tiny bit of my wife's testimony. She has a radical testimony. She's still a radical person. She was addicted to heroin, but a good, clean, working addict that was going to college. She had plans, and she was working, and she had back pain, and she was tired. An evangelist came to town and looked her in the eye and said, you're going to hell. That's not my preferred method of evangelism. <laughs> but if it works, it works. Excuse me, you're going to hell. Well, probably the answer you'll get if you try that is, <laughs> you can go to hell. <laughs> you know what she said? I know. What do I do about it? Prayed with her. She gets miraculously saved. She accepts Jesus into her heart and her life. She gets filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, starts speaking in tongues. No one gave her a 10-week course on how to do it. And she was healed instantly. The guy didn't even know all of her issues. He didn't have to name off one by one this thing, that thing, the other thing. Uh-uh. Bam! Holy Spirit came. She was radically impacted. She was something different. Five days later, was it five days? In the car going to Christ for the Nations for her discipleship training. <laughs> didn't even know what discipleship was. She didn't have a Bible. She and her sister went into Kmart to buy Bibles because they didn't know where else to buy a Bible. They couldn't even speak English for how long? Three days. She only spoke in tongues. Try asking for a Bible in tongues. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I don't have explanation for the way God moves, guys. And just because that was her experience, I have a different experience. No less valid. Church kid that knew it all. There was a Bible quiz. I was the first one up. I had all the knowledge and no power. Basically turned off. And then God turned something on. And I got excited. And I came to Bible school. And I, no stopping ever since. Ended up in England. Ended up asking this girl to marry me. Had no idea her testimony was so different than mine. But God brought us together. This is the miraculous. God is amazing. And he wants to impact our lives. I'm going to share one last thing that is so cool. 
was telling Bobby about this. Okay, so you've all, all heard of Francis Chan and Crazy Love. Any Fran Chan fans here? God gave me that in the shower today, Fran Chan fans. Okay. Some of you sing, I come up with clever, witty puns. All right. Okay, so he says, he, he was in Myanmar. You gotta hear him talking. Okay, you guys, this is crazy. I've never experienced this in 52 years. I'm talking like a little boy and a little girl who were deaf. We laid hands, she starts crying and smiling. These are not Christians who have even heard about Jesus and she's freaking out. We lay hands on her little brother, we lay hands on him and he starts hearing for the first time. Chan admitted that the experience was out of his comfort zone, but man, it happened, it happened. I thought I had faith, but my faith was at another level. And I think there are some things that contributed. Some of it was just faith in his word that when Jesus says, I am in you and you are in me, you can take that literally. Every person I touched was healed, and that has never happened before. There is no way I can communicate to you how much peace I felt. I am sharing the good news with a village of people who have never heard of this before, and I can't tell you how right it felt. Praise God. When God just shows up and does things, that's the kind of God we serve. Carrie shared a testimony a few weeks ago about behind the walls in prison when the Holy Spirit touched these young ladies and the guards. And it's not just Carrie because she works for behind the walls. It's not just Bobby because he goes all the way to Nepal. It's not just Connie because she was addicted to heroin. She needed a miracle. All of us Amen. need a touch from God. And if you haven't had one for a while, guys, it's time to get one. I've had to have radical experiences throughout my life that impact me and that change me and that make me not doubt because you can't argue with a miracle. You can't. That's why we need it today more than we needed it ever. Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. That means praise the Lord in Hebrew, by the way. When we go to Mexico, God does this stuff. But I, I keep telling you, it's not for Mexico. It's for Midlothian. So thank you, God, that you're here right now. God, I'm praying for radical encounters. I'm praying for Holy Spirit experiences. I'm praying, God, that you become real to us and our kids and this generation and this nation that needs it so badly. God, we need you. We thank you for everything we've seen in the past. We thank you for the revivals that have come and gone. We thank you that the Holy Spirit was poured out in 1900 and for the healing revivals of the 40s and the 50s. And we thank you for the Jesus movement. And we thank you for what happened in Toronto. All that stuff is great, but God, we need your power right now. 
So, Lord, pour it out. Pour it out just right where we're standing. Just ask God for more. Ask him for more. He never gets tired of us asking. And, Lord, do it your way. We're not going to tell you how to do it. So, Lord, we just thank you for pouring out your spirit in this house. We thank you that you're here. Lord, do a new thing in us.